story eleven of the man without a country and other tales by edward everett hale this librivox recording is in the public domain story eleven christmas waits in boston from the ingham papers part two lycidas and i both thought as we went into these modest houses to leave the children to say they had been good and to wish a merry christmas ourselves to fathers mothers and to guardian aunts that the welcome of those homes was perhaps the best part of it all here was the great stout sailor-boy whom we had not seen since he came back from sea he was a mere child when he left our school years on years ago for the east on board perry's vessel and had been round the world here was brave mrs masury i had not seen her since her mother died indeed mr ingham i got so used to watching then that i cannot sleep well yet o nights i wish you knew some poor creature that wanted me to-night if it were only in memory of bethlehem you take a deal of trouble for the children said campbell as he crushed my hands in his but you know they love you and you know i would do as much for you and yours which i knew was true what can i send to your children said dalton who was finishing sword-blades ill wind was fort sumter but it blew good to poor dalton whom it set up in the world with his sword factory here's an old-fashioned tape measure for the girl and a sheffield wimble for the boy what there is no boy let one of the girls have it then it will count one more present for her and so he pressed his brown paper parcel into my hand from every house though it were the humblest a word of love as sweet in truth as if we could have heard the voice of angels singing in the sky i bade harry good-night took lycidas to his lodgings and gave his wife my christmas wishes and good-night and coming down to the sleigh again gave way to the feeling which i think you will all understand that this was not the time to stop but just the time to begin for the streets were stiller now and the moon brighter than ever if possible and the blessings of these simple people and of the grand people and of the very angels in heaven who are not bound to the misery of using words when they have anything worth saying all these wishes and blessings were round me all the purity of the still winter night and i didn't want to lose it all by going to bed to sleep so i put the boys all together where they could chatter took one more brisk turn on the two avenues and then passing through charles street i believe i was even thinking of cambridge i noticed the lights in woodhull's house and seeing they were up thought i would make fanny a midnight call she came to the door herself i asked if she were waiting for santa claus but saw in a moment that i must not joke with her she said she had hoped i was her husband in a minute was one of those contrasts which make life life god puts us into the world that we may try them and be tried by them poor fanny's mother had been blocked up on the springfield train as she was coming on to christmas the old lady had been chilled through and was here in bed now with pneumonia both fanny's children had been ailing when she came and this morning the doctor had pronounced it scarlet fever fanny had not undressed herself since monday nor slept i thought in the same time so while we had been singing carols and wishing merry christmas 
the poor child had been waiting and hoping that her husband or edward both of whom were on the tramp would find for her and bring to her the model nurse who had not yet appeared but at midnight this unknown sister had not arrived nor had either of the men returned when i rang fanny had hoped i was one of them professional paragons dear reader are shy of scarlet fever i told the poor child that it was better as it was i wrote a line for sam perry to take to his aunt mrs Majory, in which it simply said dear mamma i have found the poor creature who wants you to-night come back in this carriage i bade him take a hack at gates where they were all up waiting for the assembly to be done at Papendies. i sent him over to albany street and really as i sat there trying to soothe fanny it seemed to me less time than it has taken to dictate this little story about her before mrs Majory rang gently and i left them having made fanny promise that she would consecrate the day which at that moment was born by trusting god by going to bed and going to sleep knowing that her children were in much better hands than hers as i passed out of the hall the gaslight fell on a print of correggio's adoration where woodhull had himself written years before ut apparaiet ius qui in tenebris et umbri mortis positi sunt darkness and the shadow of death indeed and what light like the light and comfort such a woman as my mary Mazury brings and so but for one of the accidents as we call them i should have dropped the boys at the corner of dover street and gone home with my christmas lessons but it happened as we irreverently say it happened as we crossed park square so called from its being an irregular pentagon of which one of the sides has been taken away that i recognized a tall man plodding across in the snow head down round-shouldered stooping forwards in walking with his right shoulder higher than his left and by these tokens i knew tom coram prince among boston princes not thomas coram that built the foundling hospital though he was of boston too but he was longer ago you must look for him in addison's contribution to a supplement to the spectator the old spectator i mean not the thursday spectator which is more recent not thomas coram i say but tom coram who would build a hospital to-morrow if you showed him the need without waiting to die first and always helps forward as a prince should whatever is princely be it a statue at home a school in richmond a newspaper in florida a church in exeter a steam line to liverpool or a widow who wants a hundred dollars i wished him a merry christmas and mr howland by a fine instinct drew up the horses as i spoke coram shook hands and as it seldom happens that i have an empty carriage while he is on foot i asked him if i might not see him home he was glad to get in we wrapped him up with spoils of the bear the fox and the bison turned the horses heads again five hours now since they started on this entangled errand of theirs and gave him his ride i was thinking of you at the moment said coram thinking of old college times of the mystery of language as unfolded by the abbe faria to edmund dantes in the depths of the chateau d'if i was wondering if you could teach me japanese if i asked you to a christmas dinner 
I laughed. Japan was really a novelty then, and I asked him since when he had been in correspondence with the sealed country. It seemed that their house at Shanghai had just sent across there their agents for establishing the first house at Idomo in Japan under the new treaty. Everything looked promising, and the beginnings were made for the branch which has since become Dot and Trevelyan there. Of this he had the first tidings in his letters by the mail of that afternoon. John Coram, his brother, had written to him, and had said that he enclosed for his amusement the Japanese bill of particulars, as it had been drawn out, on which they had founded their orders for the first assorted cargo ever to be sent from America to Idomo. Bill of particulars there was, stretching down the long tissue paper in exquisite chirography but by some freak of the total depravity of things the translated order for the assorted cargo was not there john coram in his care to fold up the japanese writing nicely had left on his own desk at shanghai the more intelligible english and so i must wait said tom philosophically till the next east india mail for my orders certain that seven english houses have had less enthusiastic and philological correspondence than my brother i said i did not see that that i could not teach him to speak the tagalian dialects so well that he could read them with facility before saturday but i could do a good deal better did he remember writing a note to old jack percival for me five years ago no he remembered no such thing he knew jack percival but never wrote a note to him in his life did he remember giving me fifty dollars because i had taken a delicate boy whom i was going to send to sea and i was not quite satisfied with the government outfit no he did not remember that which was not strange for that was a thing he was doing every day well i don't care how much you remember but the boy about whom you wrote to jack percival for whose mother's ease of mind you provided the half hundred is back again strong straight and well what is more to the point he had the whole charge of perry's commissariat on shore at yokohama was honourably discharged out there reads japanese better than you read english and if it will help you at all he shall be here at your house at breakfast for as i spoke we stopped at coram's door ingham said coram if you were not a parson i should say you were romancing my child said i i sometimes write a parable for the atlantic but the words of my lips are verity as all those of the sandemanians go to bed do not even dream of the tagalian dialects be sure that the japanese interpreter will breakfast with you and the next time you are in a scrape send for the nearest minister george tell your brother ezra that mr coram wishes him to breakfast here to-morrow morning at eight o'clock don't forget the number pemberton square you know yes sir said george and thomas coram laughed said merry christmas and we parted it was time we were all in bed especially these boys but glad enough am i as i write these words that the meeting of coram set us back that dropped stitch in our night's journey there was one more delay we were sweeping by the old state house the boys singing again carol carol christians as we dashed along the still streets 
when I caught sight of Adam's Todd, and he recognized me. He had heard us singing when we were at the advertiser office. Todd is an old fellow apprentice of mine, and he is now, or rather was that night, chief pressman in the Argus office. I like the Argus people. It was there that I was South American editor, now many years ago, and they befriend me to this hour. Todd hailed me, and once more I stopped. What sent you out from your warm steam-boiler? Steam-boiler, indeed, said Todd. Two rivets loose, steam-room full of steam, police frightened, neighborhood in a row, and we had to put out the fire. She would have run a week without hurting a fly, only a little puff in the street sometimes. But there we are, Ingham. We shall lose the early mail as it stands. Seventy-eight tokens to be worked now. They always talked largely of their edition at the Argus, saw it with many eyes, perhaps, but this time, I am sure, Todd spoke true. I caught his idea at once. In younger and more muscular times, Todd and I had worked the Adams Press by that flywheel for full five minutes at a time as a test of strength and in my mind's eye I saw that he was printing his paper at this moment with relays of grinding stevedores. He said it was so. But think of it to-night, said he. It is Christmas Eve, and not an Irishman to be hired, though one paid him ingots. Not a man can stand the grind ten minutes. I knew that very well from old experience, and I thanked him inwardly for not saying the demnition grind with Mantihini. We cannot run the press half the time, said he, and the men we have are giving out now. We shall lose all our carrier delivery. Todd, said I, is this a night to be talking of ingots, or hiring, or losing, or gaining? When will you learn that love rules the court, the camp, and the Argus office? And I wrote on the back of a letter to Campbell, Come to the Argus office, number two, Dasset's Alley, with seven men not afraid to work. And I gave it to John and Sam, bade Howland take the boys to Campbell's house, walked down with Todd to his office, challenged him to take five minutes at the wheel in memory of old times, made the tired relays laugh as they saw us take hold, and then, when I had cooled off and put on my cardigan, met Campbell with his seven sons of Anak, tumbling down the stairs, wondering what round of mercy the parson had found for them this time. I started home, knowing I should now have my Argus with my coffee. End of Story 11, Part 2